Welcome to Economically Speaking, the information podcast designed to bring you the latest economic development news in the town and the surrounding area. Hosted by Babylon IDA CEO Tom Dolan. Well, hello everyone and welcome. My name is Tom Dolan and you are listening to Economically Speaking. The information podcast designed to bring you the latest economic development news in the town and surrounding area. We are truly excited today to bring you today's episode as we sit down with one of the partners with Reckler Equity Partners, Mr. Greg Reckler. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. I'm happy you're here, and uh, it's uh, very exciting. You guys, I know you're doing a lot of exciting things out there, but... You know, I was fortunate enough to sit, come up to your office, and, and I know I had the opportunity to listen to the history and how Recola Equity Partners was created and how far it goes back, but maybe you could just share with the listening audience a little bit about the history of uh, your firm. Sure. So uh, both myself and my partner, Mitchell, who's my cousin, uh, are third-generation developers here on Long Island. And um, our story started like a lot of stories in New York area. Um, my grandfather um, ran the family uh, retail business in the South Bronx during World War II. Um, and while his younger brother and brother-in-law went off to war you know, in the U.S. Army, he stayed back and, and ran the store and for community service um, would go out and do scrap metal drives for the military. And um, when the war was over, uh, the brothers came back, um, Uncle Jack. Uh, Wexler and Mort Reckler, um, of you know, formerly of Weir Associates, so another right. Long Island yeah. business, um, and they looked at each other and they said, "Okay, you know, what are we going to do next?" And you know, all three guys were either artists or friends of artists, and one says, "You know, we have all these artist buddies, and they carry around these big wooden heavy art easels." Um, what if we took the metal that's in our backyard that the government no longer wants, we can melt it down and make lightweight aluminum art easels and we'll sell them to our friends and we'll make a ton of money. It'll be, mm. it'll be great for the store. And they go ahead and do it. And my Uncle Mort was in the Army Corps of Engineers and he you know, designed it and patented the design. And they go ahead and sell these things and it was like a failed business plan. And it was failed because back then artists were poor and they weren't buying art easels right. <laughs> you know, if they didn't need them. Right. And um, six months later or so, so my grandfather and grandmother were um, at the, the beach in Brooklyn and where you could rent wooden chase lounges for 50 cents or so. And my grandfather is schlepping them down the beach and cursing <laughs> because they're so heavy. And my grandmother says, schmuck, if you're so smart, why don't you take the rest of the metal and make a lightweight beach chair? And the light bulb went off, and um, my grandfather and his brothers invented the aluminum beach chair from the 1940s and 50s that you know we all kind of grew up with. Yeah, over the years. that's incredible, and it is an incredible story. Um, what are the lessons you learned? I mean, that is something that was passed down. I'm assuming, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting is you know is retail was really in in, in their bones, and so in terms of um, you know creating you know you know places and spaces and and experiences for customers was something that they took with them into real estate development. The real thing for them, what they learned, is they built uh, five factories throughout Brooklyn to manufacture their chairs. When they sold the business in 1958, hmm. they acquired land in Newtown Creek, Brooklyn, and built the first planned industrial park. 
And you know what they really, you know, what made their product so successful is because they were manufacturers. They knew what the manufacturers needed, hmm. and you know the key thing even back then was flexibility. Right. And so, a couple years later, when um, my grandfather split with his brother and brother-in-law, um, and went out to Hopog and acquired what was then the old ITT site that was 1,600 acres, wow. um, and which we now know as the Hopog Industrial Park. Right. Um, you know, he really set out to create a industrial park that would accommodate all different kinds of needs of, of manufacturers. It was a time when the um, defense industry was really, you know, still roaring in the, you know, in the, yeah. you know, the, the post-war, Cold War era, and um, and um, they really set out to, you know, plan, plan something that would last decades, which they obviously right. did do. Right. Now it's one of the largest in the country, right? The yeah, correct. Park. I believe it's yeah. the second largest in the country. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I know so. my wife tells stories uh, when she was a kid. She grew up in Iceland, and they used to go up there to chop wood. That's where they got the wood for right. the fireplace and stuff, you know? So every, I got to hear that story every time we go through. Yeah, it's remarkable. <laughs> I, mean, I remember um, uh, Walter Gross, who was my grandfather's partner, would, would tell me that they were so frustrated that it took um, eight months to get all the approvals to develop the 1,600 acres. Right, right, <laughs> wow, right. Um, very different from today. So, <laughs> very much so, right. So let's talk a little bit. Let's let's. So there's the history now. Now you guys, are, you and your your cousin, uh, are, are here. You're taking over. And why don't we talk a little bit about the Graybon project that you did right here in the town of Babylon? Um, you, there was a lot of a lot of moving parts to that project. And maybe you can kind of walk us through a little bit as far as you know how you got into right because you were into more. Uh, like office space and, and that type of um, commercial yeah. real estate, and then you moved this. Was this one of your first housing projects, or it, it was? So it was our first multifamily housing project. But really, it, what got got us there was you know. And I'll step back a little bit more in history. So you know, you know so you know, in in 1968, my father and uncle decided they wanted to go into the real estate business. They were in the retail business also, and they didn't want to compete with my grandfather and, and Walter. So they went out further east. And they, they had this strong sense at that time that the defense industry was spinning out other industries, that, that, the, that a technology movement was happening here on Long Island. Hmm. And, you know, and for example, so they started building these like high-tech multi-tenant buildings. And for example, Symbol Technology, the barcode scanning company, which ultimately is now Google, hmm. was their first was a startup company and their first tenant in the park in 5,000 square feet. Gotcha. So the reason I bring this up is there was always this consciousness of the need, moving needs and changing um, business types here on Long Island. Um, and, you know, with that, by the, you know, by the late 70s, early 80s, they saw there was a strong need for Class A office buildings when that really didn't exist here on Long Island. And they started building buildings in, you know, both in Melville, you know, they, they, what we, we all know is the old sod farms. Sure. And uh, in Mitchell Field. Uh, Mitch and I joined them in the um, mid-80s. And, um, you know, and by the late 80s, if, as you recall, um, you know, the, the, um, we were in a huge recession. Um, there was a savings and loan crisis that really impacted, you know, all of real estate throughout the country. 
But Long Island was hit particularly hard because by the early 90s, um, the defense industry started to pull out. Grumman moved out of, I think, over 3 million square feet from mm -hmm. 1991, 92. And so at that point, myself, um, Mitchell, uh, my brother Scott, were you know, you know, running the business with our father Donald, uh, and uncle, Donald and Roger, and there was nothing happening. And we, so we decided we needed to go out and start managing properties for, for, for banks um, who took the properties back in foreclosure. In doing so, we realized that there was a great opportunity to grow um, through acquisition, but banks weren't back in business and you know, real estate didn't have the same funding sources that they do today you know, with Wall Street. So we ended up taking our family business public in 1995 and grew it very quickly from about you know, 5 million square feet to 25 million square feet in five years. Wow. And, and then at that point, um, Mitch and I had a strong desire to kind of head back to the private sector. And we really you know, wanted to focus on, on, on our industrial portfolio. So we had the opportunity um, in 2003, almost exactly 20 years ago from now, to take about you know just under seven million square feet out of the public company and bring it private, mm. and um, and and really to get back to our roots. And, and it was all Long Island properties, because at the time the public company, the REIT, was focusing not only here in Long Island but in Westchester, Connecticut, New Jersey, and Manhattan. And so we wanted to really get back to our roots and come back to Suffolk County. Right. So what got us into, to answer your question, what got us into multifamily was, you know, once we kind of closed that transaction and, and got settled, we really, we decided to go out and visit with our tenants, you know, our industrial tenants here in Suffolk County. And, you know, and usually you expect, and this is 20 years ago, to hear the same, you know, concerns, um, you know, traffic, high cost of energy, high taxes and we expected that but with that the common theme from every tenant we spoke to was this concern that their current employees are you know all baby in the baby boomer generation they were going to be aging out of the workforce and they didn't see that next generation of workforce living here on long island and you know and they would refer to their kids who who would you know graduate from college and move to other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And we looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, you know, it's yeah. like, I mean, this is obviously, it's, it, you know, we've talked about it, again, this is 20 years ago, but we just put all of our eggs in this one basket. You know, we, we got to really think about this. Sure. And so we literally got in our car and drove around and kind of looked at all of the housing inventory, you know, here on Long Island, particularly in Suffolk County, and realized that the majority of the stuff was was very old. It was you know you know old, you know garden apartments from the nineteen fifties and sixties. Um, it was you know apartments you know you know that people would build over the garage or two family homes, or in basements. And there was like a handful at that time of some you know nice class A stuff, but you know like you know but it, it was very cookie cutter. You right, know, it wasn't. Right. And we said to ourselves, you know, listen, we've made this commitment to Long Island, Suffolk County, and. And you know the, the, the real part you know that we didn't anticipate when we brought, when we took you know this industrial portfolio private was that we now need to find you know high quality housing to, for that next generation of workforce to sustain that and not that we would ever do it ourselves individually um, but as you know um, you know myself and you know all of the other 
you know, developers, you know, in, you know, in our region, you know, if we all got together and said we're going to build as much as we can, you know, from today over the next ten years, it still wouldn't be enough, you know, housing yeah. inventory. Right. But we wanted to create something that was really unique and special. Um, we wanted um, people to, you know, we didn't want it to be just a commodity type of housing. We wanted it to be, um, you know, you know, something where you know people really felt, you know, pride of of where they lived. Um, you know, and so we built, you know, we actually, what we did is we took one of our warehouses in Hop Hog and we started building apartment units inside the warehouse. Hmm. And, you know, and we kind of used, you know, and we started working and every week we go in and we'd, you know, mark up the walls and move switches and move outlets and make windows bigger and room <laughs> sizes, you know, bigger. And so what we ended up building is that, you know, generally our units are generally anywhere from 15 to 20% larger than most of the units that you, you see here in, our, in the Long Island market. Uh, we build our ceilings higher. Our windows are about, you know, 20% you know, larger, so more light is coming into the apartment. Uh, we're using, you know, high-end appliances, um, you know, washer and dryer. So when you walk in, it feels like a home. No doubt. And, you know, and with that, we also wanted to create um, a sense of community. It wasn't just, you know, you, you, you drive there and go into your apartment. So we did that by creating, um, you know, really beautiful, um, you know, indoor and outdoor amenities with health clubs and screening rooms and billiard rooms and, you know, in an outdoor great lawn where we show movies in the summertime. Um, yeah, we have um, bands come, we bring food trucks in. And what that does is it creates a sense of community and what we've learned, you know, since we first opened in in 2016, is that people want to be there with their friends and family. So we have we have uh, family members that are renting three different units within the Gray Barn community oh, wow. because yeah. so you know so there's there's like you know two siblings and a parent, so they're all in the same community, wow. but they're not living under the same you know roof. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the same with friends. We finally, we have, we, you know, so many of the tenants that come to Gray Barn are referrals from other people who already live there because, and, and where they meet new friends. And it's, it's really great because it, it creates a sense of, you know, you know, of pride and of, of, you know, you know, people say, well, if, if you rent, you know, you know, a sense of community. Well, it's the complete opposite. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm happy to say that the people who live in Gray Barn Amityville are, are more active than most of the people I know in the sense that they're always working on holiday food drives. They're volunteering. They're um, you know they're doing um, toy drives for you know for you know for, you know, for Christmas. They do they, they they do food drives for you know for Thanksgiving. You know they're they're at, they're active in right. in, 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 sure. the, in the they're Babylon invested community. in the community. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, agreed. And uh, I've had the uh, the pleasure of being able to. Uh, walk through we've held a couple of events there and it, it truly is it's gorgeous the, the product that you put out, put out is uh real real nice and what would you say right now the occupancy is as far as what you have there yeah so we, we've been generally hovering between 97 and 98 percent occupancy which i think which is great um what i'm i think more proud of is our retention rate hmm. which you know so it's which is the percentage of people who, who stay you know year year after year right which is which runs around uh 72 73 percent that's awesome yeah yeah and, really is nice yeah. and and i gotta tell you we had done our own um uh, survey 
with a lot of our industrial clients. And, and like you said, that is one of the biggest things, not only keeping people here, but also attracting talent into the area for their, for their firms and stuff, you know? So much agreed. Um, uh, you know, there was, maybe you could walk us through though. There were, there were a lot of pieces in the beginning of that project too, that you had a, it was definitely some hurdles and you guys found a way to get this done. Yeah, so it, it was. It was. It was definitely complicated, um, but there was there was a, a strong need from day one. Um, the truth was, we actually were looking at another property here in the town, town of Babylon, and came up to town hall to meet with the planning staff to walk them through what we thought we'd want to do with this property. And um, you know, I remember sitting down with the planner and opening up the plan, and he goes, "Is that the Brunswick Hospital site?" I go. Yeah, he goes stop. He goes, he goes. I, I, you know, so and so came in yesterday with a signed contract, and you know, and so it happens, right? I'm in the real estate business; things happen. Uh, and but he said, you know, tell us what your thoughts are about, you know, you know, what are you what are you trying to create? What is this gray barn that you guys are trying to create? And we walked him through it. And as we're talking, um, they got a call from um, from Suffolk County, um, you know. Telling them that the you know that there was a site um, property um, you know on Route 110, a 20 acre travel park that um, has all kinds of health department violations. Um, essentially, um, it, it was 383 or so units that were sitting on the site with um, septic tanks underneath different trailers, and all the trails were interconnected. And then, you know, long story short, the county was going to need to close and condemn the property. And um, at the time, uh, Steve Ballone was a supervisor. Um, he, you know, him and you know, planning staff got very concerned about having so many, you know, people left left homeless, you know, because you know, it was going to happen very quickly. And so we, we happened to overhear the situation, like, you know what, let, let us see what we could do. And we contacted um, the original owners and, you know, got involved with them and went to Suffolk County and was able to get the county to uh, put a hold on closing the uh, property while we focused on getting the property rezoned. So we went through you know the normal rezoning process, um, and quite frankly, and I'm you know again we, we're, we're developers, we're thick-skinned, and we go to a lot of public hearings, and a lot of people <laughs> don't want to, you know, don't want us to build what we you know, are proposing to build, but right. this one was very different. Um, you know, it wasn't that there were, you know, you know, you know, people in the community saying we shouldn't do it. It wasn't that, it, that they weren't, they weren't NIMBYs. Um, they were actually, the, the people who were our opposition were people who were actually living in the trailer park, and that made it very difficult, because we knew we were going to uh, provide, you know, each qualified member with a relocation, you know, plan, mm -hmm. you know, and ultimately what that plan was, was $20,000 per household um, that could either be used as a housing subsidy over three years or it, it could be used to, you know, buy permanent housing. But, you know, you know, this community in the, who lived in Trailer Park were really, you know, the poorest of the poor. Um, they had, you know, very little resources and they were scared. And it made it, you know, and because of that, it made it very difficult to communicate that, you know, listen, that, you know, we're, this property is going to get shut down regardless because of 
health department issues. Right. This is a way to you know get you guys additional resources um, while cleaning up the environmental conditions. And ultimately, yeah, um, it took a long time. Ultimately, we were able to you know create you know the right environment and clarity. Um, yeah, you know, I, I tell you the ta- you know the town was great. Councilman uh, Tony Martinez was personally involved in mm-hmm. this. Um, and was able to help guide us in the sense that we would go out and, and hire um, uh, social workers and multilingual um, uh, people to you know, knock on doors. Uh, we brought in um, council to represent each trailer park resident. And um, we, we, would, we would meet one, you know, once wow. a month with, you know, throughout, the, the, and we divide the property into five zones and, and, and kind of vacated each zone separate individually, so we didn't, you know, impact the housing market too much. So we did it, you know, we did it, we did it in bite-sized pieces. Right. Um, and I, I'll tell you, it was one of the most complicated um, projects that I've ever worked on, and um, and it was actually the most, you know, it, you know, both heartfelt and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it really was. But I'm happy to report that um, from our, you know, it was successful. Uh, about 80% or so of the people who applied for were, you know, received the funds. And of that, about a third of the people actually used those funds to buy permanent housing. Winds up being a great story, yeah. Yeah, and then with that, we were able to, you know, you know clean up the environmental conditions and then build Graveline. That is no doubt a unique, unique way compared to what we see today with some of the projects. So. Yeah. And again, what it did for that area and the location of it is tremendous also. So great job, no doubt. Um, Let's go on to some of the, I know you got some other projects that you're doing here on Long Island. It's not in the town of Babylon and that's okay, but I know you're doing a couple of things east of us and maybe you can kind of share with some of the work going on out on the east end. Sure, so again, I mean, what really happened is we decided that our our focus here in Suffolk County is going to be both, you know, multifamily and 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 industrial, and you know, for you know, for me and Mitchell, you know, I, you know, I spend a lot of my time also on the East End for the last twenty five years or so, and you know, another need that we realized was that there was no high end commercial properties on the East End, um, you know, particularly you know, kind of Riverhead East on the South Fork, and. Back in, around the same time frame, but back in 2007, 2008, the county um, owned um, you know, the property in front of Gabreski Airport. They actually owned all of Gabreski Airport, but they had 50 acres that was really sat vacant for, you know, for over 50 years. Um, it was property that was granted to them by the federal government. It was you know, owned by the military or used for the military. And um, they put out an RFP for it to be developed um, as kind of mixed-use business industry. And, you know, we responded. And as, you know, it always seems to happen in the 8s, but, you know, 88, 98, 2008. 2008, the market, you know, crashed. And, you know, we were really the only viable, you know, company responding to the RFP. And... We really, you know, we really believed that, you know, even though it was it was so hard to have any vision, like in, you know, two thousand eight into two thousand nine, in terms of you know, 
you know, you know, when would it make sense to actually build anything again? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you recall, I mean, it was it was the Great Recession, um, but we, you know, we, our family has been doing this for you know for for decades and over, at that time over fifty years, and we felt like there would be a time where you know where things would recover and you know that need needed to get filled, and so we we entered into a um, eighty year ground lease with Suffolk County. And um, did a master plan, got all the zoning approvals in Southampton to build. You know, it was planned um, 430,000 square feet. And um, same, around that same period of time, we broke ground in 2015 on the first building. Our first tenant was Tate's Cookies, hmm. and which which is fitting. It makes sense, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. Southampton business, and you know they were growing at a very fast rate, also. And um, and. You know, over the next you know seven years, we ended up doing a building a building at a time, and you know we just finished the last building, 100,000 square feet. So we have 400,000 square feet built. Um, Amazon is a tenant in the park. Uh, a company called Dugal, who is you know was originally based in Brooklyn, but is growing very quickly in the East End, um, is a tenant, um, and so it, it it you know it filled up you know. I like to say, yeah, wasn't an overnight success story, success story but right. it filled up very quickly when everyone's like, nobody's coming out to the East End. And that wasn't really the point. The point wasn't to drag people east. The point was to create, you know, to create something, you know, that exists east for the businesses that are on the East End. Sure. And, um, you know, quite frankly, it's getting, you know, probably some of the best rents uh, for industrial in, you know, on Long Island yeah, at, you know, around $23.50 per square foot. So. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, no, you guys are just such a great part of the uh, fabric of Long Island and what you're doing here is, is tremendous. Um, where do you see, you know, let's, let's kind of just talk about the opportunities. We were, we were kind of chatting before we started a little bit, yeah. right? We had it, we've seen an article today about everybody's leaving and getting out of New York, and, and I don't really see it. I, I see a lot of good things and a lot of opportunity, like you're saying. Every time that something's built, it fills up real quick. Um, where, where do you see things? Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, listen, I'm I'm someone who was you know born here in Long Island. Um, you know, I lived most of my life here in Long Island. I spent some time you know living in Manhattan, but I'm I'm back here full time and I love it. Um, but you know, you look at the Long Island like industrial market, and what people don't realize is it's 180, you know, you know, million square foot market. It's a big market. Right. And, you know, those buildings, you know, not just us, but those buildings are, you know, 97% occupied. Um, so, you know, that, that's a lot of employees. Sure. And so I think the more we continue to build the right infrastructure for future generations of the workforce, um, whether you know, it be, you know, road systems, you know, technology and, and housing, um, I think you know it's it's a place people want to live, right. and I, I just you know it's our job to just make sure we give them the tools to to be comfortable and stay here. I and mean, we have some of the best education systems you know in the in the, in the country, some of the best parks and beaches and recreation um, culture. I mean, we have it all. No doubt, we just got to give people the right place to live and an easier way to get there. You know, right, from, from you know get to work. Agreed. Are there any changes? You know, and you're, you're able to talk. I know we're a uh, government agency, but uh, <laughs> but uh, what what changes do you think need to be made to help 
maybe move that along quicker or is there anything that recommendation that you would give on that front yeah i mean listen it's we, we, we all we all know that um the entitlement process here in long island is probably one of the most difficult in the entire country hmm. um and i have you know you know you know there, there are other developers who've thrown up their hands and have, you know gone into other markets and, and left we're, we're not leaving I, th I think we have to figure out you know you know how to how to how to you know, streamline the entitlement process. A big part of that, obviously, is infrastructure. Um, you know, s sanitary you know systems are you know are a big issue for us here in Long Island, and, and creating you know you know the right infrastructure, getting the support both from the state and federal government, which sure. is is critical. Um, but we need to have the desire, you know, at home to do it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so I, th I think listen, it's. We have it all, right? We have, you know, we have we have like the makings of a play, of like one of the best places in the world to work and live, but we gotta, you know, we, we gotta as 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 we grow, and you know, there's a strong pull. I know, I know, it's hard to imagine, and you know, at, at our age, you know, that yet that 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 people aren't committed always to home ownership, but you know, this generation. It really isn't like this next generation. They, right. they, it's more about, um, you know, it's it's more about you know lifestyle and experience, and they'd rather use their money to travel and yep. and so and I have a, I have a thirty year old child and you know I, I get it, I, but um, but you know so we have to create a very you know you know it's, it's, it, there's a there's a phrase called the missing middle. So you know we have to create a type of housing product that kind of sits in the middle of you know of, of, a, of a, star, a starter home and and, and a big home and it's, and it's a place where people could you know could you know can rent you know good quality high you know housing and and feel good about the work that they do uh, you know i I'm, I'm amazed by this statistic but but a year ago we took a look at the average household um, income uh, at, at Grey Barn, so you know, just Grey Barn, and you know, it was one hundred seventy-two thousand dollars per household, hmm. and so it tells you, you know, you know, so it's, it, you know, so when people say, you know, we don't want, you know, you know, those people renting in our neighborhood, I mean, you know, these are people who you know, who are professional, who you know, who who make you know, you know, you know, good livings here on Long Island, right? And so it's it's it, it's you know, it's it's our kids, it's our you know, it's our Neighbors, it's it's not you know it's not mystical renter and they're, and they're as I said they're, they're they they work hard to be part of the community. So. No, agreed. No, I, I'm with you on that and and you know I've I've seen it. I'm uh, I get to witness it as far as being around, but it's also so important to keep them here, right? Because when people, who's going to buy the your home? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the next generation of buying homes. If if we don't create something like you're talking about that middle. That middle housing yeah because market. it's it, it's gonna rotate right it's and, and like you know we're gonna get old enough where we're gonna be like you know what we, we don't want to take care of our home and we're happy to, 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 to rent and then the, the person who is renting that apartment is like all right we're ready to have a family we'll, we'll buy your house and right it's you know it's, yeah, kind of, it's, exactly. kind of, it's, it's circular so we're sitting here with Greg Reckler from Reckler Equity Partners Greg is there any parting thoughts or anything you'd like to kind of share with our listening audience um, listen, I, th I think um, the work that you guys have done um, at the IDA has been uh, been amazing. Um, you know, it wasn't just the Gray Barn project, we, but but for years we've been participating. Um, one of you know one of the things I don't think people realize that that you guys do at the at the IDA is it, you you focus a lot not just on new businesses. 
but in retaining the existing businesses. And so, I, you know, as as a company that owns a lot of industrial buildings, you know, we've come back to the Babylon IBA often with existing tenants who are thinking of leaving or going somewhere else. And right. you've you know, you've guys done an amazing job helping us retain those tenants to keep them here, you know, in Suffolk County. So thank you. Our for pleasure. That. Yeah, no, our pleasure. Yeah. And again, we see a lot of that too. Some of that also is expansion. Right. which is great. So it's been a, yeah. a great narrative for us, that's for sure. Uh, can we just share with the listening audience, you want to just share with everyone about your contact information or the confirmation at uh, Reckler Equity Partners? Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, so we could be reached at uh, RecklerEquity.com um, and, and I could be reached at, um, at uh, GReckler at RecklerEquity.com. So, you know, so feel free to reach out to us um, with you know, any thoughts that you have about this podcast. Great. Well, Greg, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It was a real pleasure to sit down with you. Uh, maybe we can do this again in the future and we can update some of the projects and some of the things that you're working on. That would be our pleasure to uh, host that again. It really would. Um, but again, everyone, you've been listening to Economically Speaking. My name is Tom Dolan. Have a great day, everyone. This episode of Economically Speaking podcast was brought to you by the Town of Babylon IDA. To find out more information about today's topic, our guest, or to simply stay connected, please visit the show notes where you'll find all the relevant links.